It's wonderful to see you today. Glad that you're here on a gorgeous day in Colorado. Especially if you are a first-time guest with us. Thank you for, for coming and taking the risk. I know it's awkward to be a guest in a new place, especially church sometimes. So I hope that it hasn't been too awkward for you. We're sure glad that you're here. And we'd love to have a record of you being with us. And so we put a connection card right in the chair back in front of you there. If you take just a moment, if it's your first time, take out that card, fill out the information, check the box that says it's your first time. And then at the end of the service, we'll uh, pass a plate for our offering. You can drop it in the offering plate. And uh, we won't bug you or call you or anything like that, but we're sure glad that you're here. There's some boxes you can check if you want more information about certain ministries. Make sure you put your email on that card and we'll shoot you uh, some information through an email. Our hope is that you'll plug into a local church. And there are a lot of great churches in northern Colorado. We just want you to be in one of them. That's lifting up Jesus. Um, that's teaching his word. A place where you can plant yourself and grow and make a difference. If it's Timberline, great. Let us help you get plugged in. All right? Also keep in mind the uh, insert in your bulletin lists all the tables out in the mall. So look at that. If there's some ministries that are listed there that catch your eye, you want to ask questions about or sign up for, um, stop by those tables before you leave today and get plugged in. There's people there that can help you. Um, and then TimberlineChurch.org, as always, is our website that uh, has all the information about ministries here uh, that are happening. All right. I need to make an announcement to those of you that are voting members uh, here at Timberline. Um, we we were blessed in a great way about nine months ago. The Rocky Mountain District Council of the Assemblies of God was in possession of a small church building in Berthoud, Colorado. The church had closed a long time ago. They've had that building for a number of years, been trying to sell it. Uh, when they learned about our vision to plant a video venue in Windsor, they decided, they voted to deed that building and land over to us to sell so that all of that money could go towards the venue in Windsor. And so it's a wonderful blessing. Um, so we've been working on that. There's a lot of interest in that building, and it appears that we're getting close to being able to make a sale on that building which is really exciting. Um, but our constitution and bylaws require that we vote anytime we sell property or sell a, a land like that. And so if you're a voting member, here's how it's going to work. Next weekend at any of the services you come to, either before service or after service, if you would make your way over to the main entrance for the South Auditorium, there's a counter there in that South Lobby. And uh, we'll have a ballot there that will just have a simple yes or no. It'll have the question on it, a simple yes or no. You check yes or no, put it in an envelope, put your name on the envelope, drop it in a ballot box. It'll take about 10 seconds. Um, and that vote will enable us, um, hopefully, to be able to sell that building um, and put that money towards the project in Windsor. So that's exciting. Good stuff. So if you'll do that, that would be great. Um, we are indeed on a great journey as a church. In fact, we uh, decided to have a theme for this year, 2011. Our theme is together for the journey because it, it, it's something God's doing through us together as we go forward and seeking to just be obedient to him. And uh, so we decided to start a new series this weekend. It's going to go through the summer. It'll last for about 12 weeks called Fit for the Journey. Because there's some journeys that you have to prepare more for. Some journeys you have to get in shape in order to go on that journey. How many of you just get excited when you think about fitness? 
Yeah, that's kind of what I expected. There, there's a few of you. I hope you know, if you live in Colorado, Colorado is a fitness craze state. In fact, for the last several years, Colorado has ranked number one as the most fit state in the United States of America. That's a distinction that we have. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Um, we, we are the state where people strap their $5,000 bicycle on top of their $500 car. That is Colorado. Uh, and that's a pretty cool thing. Uh, I think physical fitness is a good thing. I think it's part of the stewardship of, of our lives before God. But even more important than that is the idea of being spiritually fit. And so when we talk about fit for the journey, we're going to use some analogies of the whole idea of physical fitness to apply to what, it, what does it mean to get in shape spiritually. What does that look like? How, how would we, how would we um, define that? Now, going along with this series, something cool is happening. Every year for the last couple of years, 970, our young adult ministry, has had a 5K uh, in September over uh, at CSU as a fundraiser for missions projects. This year, they're going to have a 5K and a 10K, so you can do either one, about three miles or about six miles. Um, and it's going to be right here at Timberline. It's going to, the race is going to start here at Timberline Church. And so if I would just encourage you to go along with this series, if you've never done something like that, you may want to consider, even if you just walk it, you may want to consider being a part of, of this 5K, 10K. September 24th is the date. Um, they're doing a shoe drive. They're creating materials um, that are discipleship materials to go along with your training as you get ready for the, for the run. Um, and all the proceeds will go to two primary outreaches, uh, the outreach they do every year during spring break in South Padre Island, as well as an orphanage in Haiti that we've partnered with. We just have a group uh, of young adults that came back from Haiti just a few days ago. And so there's a table in the mall this weekend and there will be until the race happens. So stop by there, get more information. All right. Well, how many of you realize that if you're going to get fit at some point, you have to actually start. Right. How many of you have discovered that just getting a gym membership does not in and of itself make you fit? Have you, how many of you are like me and you have basically donated lots of money to health clubs, you know, so other people can work out, right? You're the best customer because you don't take up any machines, but you pay them every month so that other people can work out. If you're going to get fit physically, you have to actually get started. And the same thing is true spiritually. If we're going to be in shape spiritually... Um, there is a beginning point. Now, if you were to go tomorrow into a gym and hire a personal trainer and say to that trainer, I want you to train me. What do you suppose one of their first questions might be? What do you want to accomplish? Right? What are your goals? What is it you want to do? What do you want out of this? Are, are you training for an event like a 10K or a marathon? Are you rehabbing an injury? Are you trying to lose weight? Are you trying to get you know, your triglycerides and cholesterol down? Are you wanting to be lean? Are you wanting to, to build up big, massive muscles and be a bodybuilder? Whatever. That's an important question. Because they're going to craft your plan, your program, based on what your goals are. All right? And so if you want to be lean and, and, and in shape, you're probably going to do lighter weights but more reps. If you want to be cut and ripped and big like Pastor Jeff, then you're probably... <laughs> You're probably going to do heavier weights and less reps. All right. They're going to craft it based on what your goals are. Okay, that's an important question. And the same is true when it comes to our spiritual fitness. So if you're taking notes, jot this down on your bulletin. 
The starting point is you must begin with the end in mind. All right. Getting started begins with the end in mind. What is the goal? Where are we headed? If we talk about being spiritually fit, what does it look like? All right. Well, let me read to you something that Paul wrote. He wrote it to a church in a place called Ephesus. And in this letter, he included a prayer. And I love that he wrote down the prayer and sent it to them. Here's what he prayed. Look at Ephesians chapter three, verse 14. It'll be on the screen. For this reason, I kneel before the father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Now notice this last line. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now that's a pretty good way to describe, I think, what the end might look like. That we would be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now that sounds pretty good. But what does that mean? How do we unpack that? What does that look like? Well, Paul's going to help us in another letter that he wrote, um, a, a New Testament book called Colossians. It's not on the screen. But in that letter, he said that God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus. So all of God's fullness dwells in Jesus. In another place in that letter, he said, for in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. So here's something we can know right from the get go. Whatever the end goal looks like, it will have Jesus as the center. Jesus will be at the center, whatever it looks like. Not self, not contentment, not happiness, not success, though there's nothing wrong with those things. It's just that they're not central. What is central to being spiritually fit is Jesus at the center of everything, including our lives. Okay, well, what does that mean? Well, he continues to help us understand in a letter he wrote to a church in a place called Galatia. In Galatians chapter four, he said, he said, I am in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. What does that mean? What he's saying is the only way he could think of, of language, the only language he could come up with that would, would communicate the intensity that he felt inside that Christ would be formed in, in these people was to compare it to a woman who's in the pains of childbirth. Now, I know, ladies, that Paul did not know what that was like. I understand. Unless maybe he had a kidney stone and then maybe he was close. OK, but I know I get it. He didn't know. But the, the only thing he could come up with to express the intensity that he felt was to compare it to a woman in childbirth in those pains until Christ is formed in you. In his letter to the church in Rome, he said those God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image, to the likeness of Jesus. So we have these two words. We have the word formed. And we have the word conformed. Jesus at the center. And then formed and conformed to the likeness of Jesus. Those two words come from one Greek word. And the root Greek word is the word morpho. And what it means is to shape something into a durable likeness. All right. So here's the end in mind. Here's where we're headed. 
Jesus at the center and an ongoing process in our lives where our lives are being formed and shaped into a lasting likeness of Jesus. That's the end. An ongoing process where our lives are being formed and shaped into a lasting likeness of Jesus. So, if Jesus is at the center, then one of the starting points is we, we, need, to, we need to know who Jesus is. We need to know him. We need to know about him. He needs to be our greatest pursuit. We need to know what he taught and how he lived and what he stood for and what he valued. If he's the center and our lives are to be becoming more and more like him, we need to know who Jesus is. So we begin this pursuit of studying who Jesus is and knowing him personally. Then we ask the question, what are the things that move me in the direction of becoming more like Jesus? And what are the things that move me away from becoming more like Jesus? How do I arrange my life around the things that are going to move me in the direction of becoming more like Jesus? And this series, over the next 12 weeks, we're going to unpack some of those things. Next weekend, Pastor Derry will be here to continue this. And we'll, we'll begin unpacking some of these things that we're talking about. Now, so we begin with the end in mind. That's where it starts. A couple of weeks ago at the gym where I go to work out, I, I went in to see the guy who's my friend who owns it and who is a trainer there because I was having issues. I was having these pains. I was getting shin splints when I would run and my knee hurt, my low back hurt. And he said, you're old. And I said, that can't be it. So keep looking. Not really. He didn't say I was old. He put me on his table and he began to do all these tests and test these muscles and all this stuff. Long story short, about 25 years ago, I injured my right knee, had two surgeries on my right knee. Never fully correctly rehabilitated that knee. So for 25 years, unconsciously, without realizing it, my body was compensating for this pain in my right leg. And so the way I would even just stand began to shift. The way I would walk shifted. The way I ran especially shifted. And so certain muscles were, were making up for other muscles on this leg because it was really uncomfortable to, to do it right. What happened then over 25 years, certain muscles began to just atrophy because I wasn't using them because I was compensating and it put everything out of balance and created all these problems. So he said, let me look at your shoes because the way you plant your foot is incorrect. Let me look at your shoes. So he takes my sweaty, stinky gym shoe. God bless him. And he opens it up and he says, this is a wide shoe. And I said, yeah, I have a fat foot. And he says, he looks at my foot and he says, well, your foot's not that. It's not that fat. I said, I know, but if I don't get a wide shoe, it's not comfortable. It, this is the only shoe that's comfortable for me. He said, OK, think about this for a minute. Your foot is is functioning in a dysfunctional way. It's not planting right. It's not working right. So, so if you get a shoe that's comfortable for that foot, what do you suppose is happening? That shoe is actually making it worse. It's making it easier for your foot to function inappropriately. What you need is a shoe that's going to help you plant your foot correctly, and that's going to be uncomfortable. And you need these exercises to begin to work these muscles that have atrophied over the years. That's going to be uncomfortable in order to get them working again. All right. So now here's the point. The little anatomy lesson was free. You know, medical advice. There you go. All right. Here's the point of it all. The point is, if you're taking notes, if you want to be fit physically or spiritually, you have to embrace the blessing 
of discomfort. You have to embrace the blessing of discomfort. Now, it doesn't even sound like those two words should be in the same sentence. Blessing and discomfort. They don't seem to go together, especially in the world in which we live. I don't know about you, but I love to be comfortable. All right. In our world, you can become very wealthy by inventing things that help people become more comfortable. Did you know now that if you if you're a married couple and you sleep in the same bed with your spouse, which hopefully you do. That's a different sermon on how to make marriage good. All right. But you're sleeping in the same bed. Did you know that you don't even have to have the same mattress? You can have a number. That's yours, whatever that means. And if you want your mattress to be more firm, you're a different number than if you want it to be mushy or whatever you have over there. You don't even have to have the same kind of mattress. Now, I'm not saying I'm not saying that that it's wrong to have those things. All right. If you have one of those number beds, that's fine. All right. In fact, you should have me house sick because I would like to try a number and see what number I am. Um, And and I'm not saying that if, if you really love Jesus, you'll sleep on the floor with your head on a rock because God likes it when you hurt. Not that's not it. That's not it. There's nothing wrong with some physical comforts. All right. But here's the problem. When we become obsessed with comfort and when we allow that to begin to bleed into our journey with Jesus, the problem is we seldom grow when we're comfortable. Very seldom do we grow when we're comfortable. I would I would go so far as to say this. If you were to take the time to maybe create a graph of your life and and just put it in some kind of graph form and go back and look at the significant experiences in your life and make peaks out of the places where you were the most you experienced the most discomfort. OK, and then you went along for a while. And then there was this thing and then there was this thing. They kind of looks like an EKG. Only you have heart problems because those are too close together. But anyway, all right. If you were to make that graph and these peaks represented when you experienced the most discomfort in your life, here's what I found to be true of my life. The times of my greatest growth have been these places right here. They've been times of whatever the cause of that discomfort. These have been the times of the greatest growth in my life. Right. I heard someone say once, God never wastes a pain. It doesn't mean he brought it, but he won't waste it if you allow him to. If you will embrace the blessing of discomfort, God can use these times in your life to grow things in you that that he can't grow in you any other way. All right. Now, I would suggest to you that there are two kinds of discomfort. There is the discomfort that we choose and there is the discomfort that chooses us. Okay, let me give you an example of the comfort, discomfort that we choose. Paul writes in first Corinthians chapter nine. You can follow on the screen. Listen to how he says this. He says, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. Listen to his language. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. What's he talking about? He's talking about discipline. And we just need to understand something. Getting fit will always require discipline. 
physically or spiritually. I don't care what the infomercial says. You can't take a pill and become physically fit. It requires discipline. Discipline is a way that we choose discomfort for something greater. Okay? And spiritual disciplines are an example of that, which we'll talk more about over the course of this series. But, but here's what I mean. When I choose to fast a meal, to not eat a meal that will satisfy a physical desire that I have in order to instead pursue God to seek Him, when I choose that discomfort, I put myself in an environment where God can grow me in ways that He can't if I just choose to be comfortable. When I choose the discomfort of silence, where I turn all the noise off, and for me that usually requires the discipline of solitude, and you shut off everything, the email and the music and the, and the voices, and you're alone, and it's uncomfortable, and it's just you, and it's God, I'm putting myself in an environment where God can work some things into my life, grow me, make me more like Him, that, that is much more difficult to do when you choose comfort. All right. And so there's there's the discomfort that we choose. And keep in mind, spiritual disciplines are not an end in and of themselves. They are a means to an end. Okay, spiritual disciplines are not so that God will like us better if we just pray more and if we fast more. And God, we, we like earn, you know, frequent travel miles or something that we can cash in when we have a big need. You know, okay, God, I've got 500 fasting miles. I need, you know, uh, money. It doesn't work like that. Okay, there are means to an end. And the end is that we become more like Jesus. We can't make ourselves more like Jesus, but we can put ourselves in environments where God's spirit and the truth of his word can shape us to be more like him. And that's what choosing discomfort does. Now, what about the discomfort that chooses us? We've all experienced that. This isn't on the screen, but here's what James says about that discomfort. He says, consider it pure joy. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, perseverance must finish its work so that you may be a mature, you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So James says when discomfort chooses us, whatever the nature of that discomfort, our response should be pure joy. It doesn't mean we enjoy it. It just means that we recognize God can use this if we let him doesn't even mean that he brought it. But he can use it to grow me and make me more like Jesus. That's the response that I need. So begin with the end in mind. Embrace the blessing of discomfort. And, and then finally, the last one. Um, I, I started about seven months ago a, a different routine at the gym that I go to, a different workout regimen. And it's about four or five days a week uh, early in the morning working out for an hour. The, the greatest key to me sticking with this, has been at 5 o'clock in the morning when my alarm goes off, what keeps me from shutting it off, rolling over, and going back to sleep is that I know Pastor Dick Foth is going to be at the gym expecting me to show up. And no matter how great you think Pastor Dick Foth is, what gets him out of bed is he knows I'm going to be there expecting him to show up. All right. There's something about that. And when we get to the gym and we say, let's do, I'll say, let's do two laps around the gym. He'll say, let's do three. And so we do three. And when he says, let's do 25 crunches, I say, let's do 30. And we do 30. The point is this, whether it's physical fitness or whether it's spiritual fitness, don't do it alone. That's the next part in your outline. Don't do it alone. 
All right. It's even more true when it comes to spiritual fitness that we don't do it alone. Listen to what the author of Hebrews said. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24. He said, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. That's why the theme for this year is together for the journey. Because alone for the journey doesn't work. And it doesn't work because God never intended for it to be that way. One of my responsibilities here is to give oversight to our Wednesday night ministry that we have. We're on a break right now. We break for the summer and we'll kick up again in September. Um, but we have an adult service in here on Wednesday nights. And I would say that the, the most growth I've experienced in studying Scripture in my life has been in the last year and a half where I study scripture with Pastor Dick Foth and Pastor Brent Cunningham. We study together and then we teach it together on Wednesday nights. We do this team thing, sitting around a table, teaching it. It's the most, I have learned more doing it that way than I ever would learn with just my Bible and my computer and, and different books. Though you can learn that way, I learn more doing it together in the context of community. Because that's how God designed us. And some of you may be here and you're just one, you're like one of those lone wolf kind of guys. You just do it yourself. You're not into people. All right. And you say, Jesus is all I need. And I just have to say to you, that sounds really spiritual, but it's dead wrong. It's dead wrong. You know, I think Pastor Jeff talked about this, that old hymn. I love the old song that says, he's all I need. He's all I need. Jesus is all I need. That's probably not the right key or melody, but, you know, it's a simple song. It's a beautiful song. I love this song. It's just inaccurate. And, and I know before you get ready to write a communication card and say that's blasphemy, I didn't say it. God said it. Scripture said, throughout Scripture, it says that we need each other. I mean, God said it in the very beginning when God created Adam. In the garden, from the dust of the earth, God creates Adam. There is Adam. Sin is not a part of the human experience yet. Adam has God. Unbroken fellowship, communion, relationship with God. And God looks at Adam and says, it's not good for man to be alone. How could that be? Adam has God. And yet he still said it's not good for man to be alone. So, so God created woman. All right. And, and so why is that? It's because the very core of the nature of God is community. It's relationship. God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit. It's the very core of who he is. And we are created in his image. And the end goal is that we're becoming more and more like him. So don't do it alone. Some of you may be saying, but you don't understand. I'm an introvert, very introverted. And I get very uncomfortable meeting new people. Well, I already addressed that. Discomfort makes you grow. <laughs> you need to meet some people. I understand it's hard. I can relate to it. I know you think being a pastor, you have to be extroverted. No, it's easy to stand up here and talk to you. But, but I'm more of an introverted person. And walking into a small group of people that I don't know, that's intimidating to me. It's uncomfortable for me. But it's also when I grow. Because it's those uncomfortable places that God uses to grow me. All right, so you have an opportunity coming up. Every year in the fall, we do a, a series on the weekends that we have a small group 
we, we recruit people for small groups to follow along the weekend series. This year, we're doing a series in Ecclesiastes, and it, it's going to be a phenomenal series. It's going to be really good, and we're going to do small groups along with it. We're not even recruiting for them yet, so you have a couple of months to muster your courage and to determine this year... You're going to step out and be uncomfortable and connect with people. And that discomfort is going to help you grow. Okay? so bottom line is this. I'm inviting you to get started. To begin. For some of you getting started, it literally means you trusting Jesus to forgive you of the sin in your life that separates you from God. To turn from living for yourself and declare him as king He's Lord. You're not surrendering to him. It's giving your life to Jesus. Maybe you've never done that before. And for you, that's what getting started means. And all these circumstances and all these things that have been happening in your life, your journey that you've been on, have led you to this moment, this day. And you know today is the day God is pursuing you, drawing your heart, and you just need to give your life to him and begin a whole new journey in your life. For others of you, for others of you, it is, it is refocusing on what is central in your life. Is Jesus at the center? For some of you, you kind of got that out of whack. For some of you, maybe it has more to do with arranging your life around those things that are going to move you in the direction of becoming more like Him. And getting rid of some things that are moving you in the opposite direction. For some of you, it's, it's discipline. It's embracing this blessing of discomfort and doing it in the context of community. In other words, for some of you, it is about being intentional and taking responsibility for your spiritual formation. See, wouldn't it be great if you could go to the gym tomorrow and hire someone to work out for you? Wouldn't that be awesome? It's like, I want you to work out an hour a day. No, make it an hour and a half a day. And, and then at the end of the day, I just want you to give the results to me. That would, you would be rich if you could do that, but you can't. You have to do it yourself. You have to take responsibility for your own fitness. The same thing is true spiritually. You have to own that. You have to be intentional about it. And can I just tell you, if you think that the sum total of, of your spiritual journey can be 65 minutes once a week in this auditorium, you will be severely stunted in your spiritual formation. This can be a great catalyst. But that's what it's a catalyst to move you in a direction of owning the responsibility to commit yourself to be in environments where God's spirit through God's word can transform your life. All right. Some of you, it's time to be intentional about that. It's time to begin. Okay, would you bow your heads with me, please? We're going to close in prayer. Let me just start this prayer by praying for those of you who may be in this room today. For whatever reason, you've just landed here and you know you are in that first category you're here and you would say, I need to begin a journey of following Jesus. I just need to accept the forgiveness that he's made available to me. You can't do it yourself. He's already done it. You just got to receive his love. He knows everything about you, all the junk that nobody else knows. And he loves you anyway. There's nothing you can do to make him love you less. There's nothing you've done that makes him love you less. So if that's you this morning, and you would say, I want to begin following Jesus today, turning my life around from living for myself and surrendering to him. I don't want to embarrass you in any way, but with heads bowed and eyes closed, would you make a move in that direction by just raising your hand and say, include me in the prayer. I want to give my life to Jesus today. If that's you, just raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you so much for just being so real.
so vulnerable. Thank you for your honesty. You can put them right back down. Thank you. God, you see the hands of those who raised them to you, saying, I want to follow you. I want to turn from living for myself and surrender to you as Lord. Receive the forgiveness you've made available to me. Thank you for loving me right where I'm at. God, you meet us right where we are. You don't require that we get things together to come to you. You don't require that we change anything to come to you. But when we come to you, you won't let us stay the same. You begin this incredible, beautiful process of changing our lives. And I thank you for those who maybe for the first time are saying yes to follow you. And Lord, for the rest of us, may we determine, may we resolve that we will be more intentional than we've ever been. And take responsibility for our spiritual formation. God, it's not something we muster up with willpower. But it is something with discipline that we put ourselves in the right environments and we pursue the right things and we arrange our lives around those things that that move us in the direction of allowing you to to shape us and form us into a lasting likeness of Jesus. So God, we submit to that. We say yes to getting started. Teach us, grow us through this series. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.